In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, presented by Betches Media. This is an exploration of all pop culture, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. We're looking at you, Tom Sandoval. Folks, welcome to an all-new So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your buddy Ryan, and this is your Tuesday episode. How the heck is everybody doing? How was Monday? Do you have a case of the Mondays still on Tuesday? Well, let's get you back on track in case you do. We have a great show for you today. We're going to start right off with the guest. And uh, and then after that, join us because we're going to do pop culture stories. We're going to talk some reality show greatest hits. I'll tell you some personal stuff. It's going to be all gravy. Remember, there's timestamps. You can listen to this pod any way you want to. Uh, you can start with the pop culture stories if you want. There's a timestamp for that. Or you can start right with our guests, which we're going to get into in a second. Are you got you're good, though. OK, I just hope you're good. That's I hope you're good. We can get through this week. I know it seems like we got four long days ahead of us, but after today, then that's three. And once we get to Wednesday, we can usually throw that day away and we can start slacking off at our jobs. So you're golden. Monday is the toughest day of the week. And you got past that. Um, uh, I, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, I, I, I have to talk about after our guest, I have to talk another Celebrity couple broke up today. Camelot has fallen once again. We'll talk all about the latest Kardashian adjacent breakup that just happened today. Uh, but just a, a couple reminders. Uh, make sure you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I really appreciate it. Um, also, if you want more, patreon.com forward slash so bad it's good. We just did an hour and a half recap of BravoCon with uh, Amy Field and Michelle Humans who were at, uh, at BravoCon. Uh, with me and and we got to swap stories and it was a really fun episode over on the Patreon. And remember, uh, support our sponsors. Uh, it really does help. It helps me. It helps Betches, who I'm desperately trying to impress. I really love being there and I want to be there for a while. So uh, yeah, please. Our sponsors are great. Um, let's see here. Our guests, let's just get right into it, folks. Uh, I, I, I talk in the intro about how I... Uh, first was made aware of our guest, but I just got to say she was just delightful to talk to. And you kind of get the sense of why she's as far along as she is. And it's those people that have big dreams and then find ways to execute. And as I get further along in this, those people are, are people that, that I start to really get fascinated with that. I start to really go like, okay, what, what sets this person apart? You know, what have they done? This, there's like this inner light to these people that they're able to convey a message and, and they help a lot of people. She's, she's labeled the queen of confidence. And actually 
Uh, if I was in New York, I would be going to see her show this Wednesday night at Chelsea Music Hall. I wish I was in New York right now because I would love to see what her live performances are like because I saw clips on her Instagram and I was watching YouTube videos about her and it just seems like a fun night. I think there are a few remaining tickets out there. So why don't some baddies go and check it out at Chelsea Music Hall on Wednesday night? Tell them Ryan Bailey sent you. Uh, also, she has these cards, these let's fucking date cards. Yeah, I said it. Yeah. But these cards that are like conversation starters that are amazing that you saw in last week's episode of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. They played Serena Kerrigan's card game at Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. She also has uh, Serena Kerrigan TV, which I'm going to put all those links uh, in the show note. But she has so much going on. And I love those people because it's one of those things, you guys. And I don't know if you're like this, too. I always mean to make vision boards. I always mean like I try like it's one of those things of like I've got to really try to adopt some of these things because every time I talk to somebody that does, you know, vision boards or manifesting, you know, once I get past that initial like, oh, that's oh, yeah, like I have time for that. Every time it seems like it works for these people. Every time it seems like it makes their life a little bit better and in doing so makes other people's lives so much better because I was reading some of her comments of the people that follow her and she really does seem to inspire a great deal of people. And I got to tell you, she inspired me after I talked to her. I wish I could talk to her uh, so much longer. I think we'll be able to talk again in the new year. And I so look forward to that because I just can't wait to see what her future holds because it just seems very, very bright. So without further ado, here she is, the lady of the hour. This Wednesday, Chelsea Chelsea Music Hall. Make sure you go see her show. The one, the only, Serena Kerrigan. And then remember, join us afterwards. We're going to do pop culture stories. Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts from 30 performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash 
credit card. Welcome back to So Bad It's Good presented by Betches Media. Today we are talking to somebody that I've wanted to talk to for a year now. Now, Maritza works on my show and she said a year ago, you need to go follow this person. She is amazing. I love everything that she's doing. And so I went there and I followed her and then Maritza will give me YouTube links. Watch this, watch this. Uh, our next guest is, uh, she's the queen of confidence. Listen, she has so much going that I don't even know how she does it. She is doing sold out shows. She just do two sold out shows in New York. The next show comes up this next week, which you all got to go buy tickets for at the Chelsea Music Hall. But that is just the tip of the iceberg, folks. She just launched SFK TV, which is a whole thing we're going to talk about, which actually has new episodes on Sunday. She also has the Let's Fucking Date card set that showed up on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills last night. She is in everything right now. Serena fucking Kerrigan. Kerrigan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. What an introduction. I'm like, damn, I really need a nap. <laughs> well, Serena, I could I could go longer, but I knew we have limited time. But I just, how the hell do you do all of this? I can sleep when I'm dead. Okay, that's great advice, guys. Sleep when you're dead and you will be able to do as much as Serena. And surround yourself with great people. Learn how to delegate. I'm a big delegator. I'm not micromanager. And just do it for the plot. Do it for the plot, which is something that you created, which everybody says, and I didn't even know that came from you because all of the <laughs> girls in my life started saying, do it for the plot, or they would post, do it for the plot. That is a Serena Kerrigan phrase. That's amazing. The other day, someone made like a viral TikTok that was like the Gen Z term. And I was like, absolutely, it's a Gen Z term, but it was coined by a millennial. Just say. <laughs> yeah. Score one for the millennials. Finally, we have something. We needed it. Um, we needed it. Could you imagine? It seems like you are the queen of confidence. Has that happened from like even at a young age? Were you always like this or is this something you discovered over the years? I think that we're all born with confidence. But after a certain age, we begin to be like infected by society and the way that we think we should be and we don't feel good enough. And so what I did when I was 18 was I created this persona that I could just tap into. She's Serena fucking Kerrigan. She's a baddie. She's just like larger than life persona, kind of like a Lady Gaga or Sasha Fierce. And I kept tapping into her whenever I feel felt down. And then eventually I became the queen of confidence. And so if anyone's listening and needs that you know, advice to feel confident, I would say really just like create this persona and character that you can kind of step into. It's like your superhero or Superman mask, if you will. Well, I, I think you, this this message that you present means so much to women. But I have to say, as a guy, I have such low self-esteem and confidence. And it's one of those things that like we all need these messages. We all need Absolutely. the kind of confidence that you exude because you just kind of light up. I've been watching interviews with you for the last couple of days and you just shine. And I just think that's such an impressive feat. But what are the pitfalls for the people that you deal with? You know, like, how do we get past that hump of creating a persona and actually gaining confidence little by little? I think really what the persona was for me was a dialogue. So I would be like, you're Serena fucking Kerrigan. Like, let's go. Right. And so really what that was, was me saying it to myself out loud. Like I was hyping up my best friend. Like you would with anyone you love in your life, you're going to nurture them. You're going to lift them up. You're going to verbally tell them how great they are, especially if they're down. I think that we don't do that with ourselves. We're very negative and self-critical. So what 
this persona was, it's not just about being a character, although that's super fun, but it's really about speaking out loud to yourself and really like getting real in front of the mirror, making eye contact and really lifting yourself up when you're having a bad day. I remove any kind of negative words about myself. I'm allowed a feeling like I feel shitty because, you know, feelings pass and that's okay. But if you, if you say I am not a good person, I'm ugly or whatever, then suddenly you're literally writing the plot of your life, right? And you are the writer, yeah. producer, and star of your life. So you have to act accordingly. It's so hard though, because some of us have decades of negative self-talk that we have to combat. And it's interesting. It's one of those things. It's almost like going to the gym of having to work this in this kind of mind frame every yep. day. And it feels That's unnatural right. at first. A hundred percent. But that means it's working, right? Like when you do ab crunches at the gym, like it hurts and it's like disgusting and you hate it, but you're like, well, obviously something is changing in my body. I think that's growth in general. Growth is not supposed to feel amazing. It's just like, it's just feels like growth. And if you can look in the mirror and just make eye contact with yourself, it will change your life. Like truly, if you can say, I love you in the mirror and make full eye contact with yourself, it just changes everything. Your perception of self around others. It's, it's remarkable. Um, follow-up question. What are ab crunches? I've, I've not heard of those or oh, done those. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. Yeah, I've never done them either, but I heard, <laughs> I heard they hurt. I heard they hurt. Um, so when you have this platform, where are you in a place where you're choosing what to do with it? Because SFK TV is something that just launched. Can you explain to me what that is? Because I was watching a video where you would even put this on a vision board, I think, a long time ago. Yes. Yeah, that was crazy. And I, I definitely recommend people to put any dreams or aspirations on a vision board. It's so, so helpful because once you can visualize your life, then you can make anything happen. I think for SFK TV was, I realized that creators are the future of television and entertainment and education. And I wanted to create really like incredible high premiums, long form content. And I wanted to put it by a paywall the same way that you're paying a premium for a Netflix, Hulu, Peacock, you're going to be paying a premium for SFK TV. And this is not just, you know, entertainment, empowerment, education. It's also a community of people in this like very sexy format. And every week we release episodes. We are this Sunday at 8 PM, which I also like to do the Sundays at 8 PM because we want a ritual, right? Like Sunday scaries. This Sunday at 8 p.m., the episode that's dropping is the making of my card game, LFG. This is the newest one. It's with gold. <laughs> that looks beautiful. is the fourth one in the installment of my card games. And this one is for, it's the golden ticket to going out. If you have this in your bag, you will feel confident <laughs> no matter what. No awkward silences. If you go to, you know, to a party where you don't know anyone, pull this out. You're Gucci. You're good. And you can play with any friends, platonically, family members. Great for Thanksgiving. But my episode of SFK TV on Sunday is all about the making of this card game because I started this business in the pandemic, 2020 lockdown in my apartment, and now it's a $1.4 million business. So it goes to show you that you could do anything you want in your life. You just have to visualize it and say it out loud. Is that card deck open? Can you pull a card? Yeah, absolutely. You want to pull a card? Yeah, pull a card. Let's see what's going on. Here we go. I want to see what I'm going to do at Thanksgiving this week. I want to see, uh, or next week. Okay. What's a gift as a child? Sorry. What's a gift you wanted as a child, but you never got? The power of flights. I wanted to fly like Superman. I never oh, got wow. it yet. Okay. Wow. I hope you get that one day. What was yours? A Juicy Couture sidekick. Remember those sidekick phones? There was a Juicy Couture yes. one that was pink and beautiful. I really, really wanted it. <laughs> Should we do one more? Uh, yeah, do more. This is great. Okay, here we go. Tell me the story behind your middle name. 
Oh, Kyler. My middle name is Kyler, and it's my great-great-grandfather's uh, first name. And I loved it. And for a long time, I wanted to change my name to Kyler Bailey, not Ryan Bailey, because I thought everybody loved the name Kyler. And I was like, I've never got this kind of attention before. I love my middle name. So what happened? Uh, just nothing. Sa- SAG wouldn't let me change it. Screen actors okay, killed. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> and the strike's over, baby. So we good. We're listening. <laughs> We're listening. Um, I changed my million to fucking and it was the best decision I've ever made in my life. So that's that. You, you wait, you really did that, right? I really did that. Yep. And now it's a part of every brand of mine and everything. So it was a good choice. Even no, it, it's a very thrilled about it in the beginning. Um, when you go on her Instagram, you guys are going to provide all the information and links. Um, it looks like even the SFK TV videos, it looks like David Fincher directed. I mean, it's so beautiful, like the visualization. How do you even start to create something in your mind and then express that to other people of the images you're trying to capture? Because you're coming off like a supermodel in this, like you're crawling over the TV. It's like wild. I think I just love creativity. Like I love photo shoots. I love like thinking of a concept. When I thought of SFK TV, it took me a while. Like I didn't know what to call it at first. There was a lot of names that we were tossing around. I was thinking BTS SFK, like behind the scenes, but then we thought of BTS, the band and like with SEO on Google, like would people get confused with able to find it like that. And then I kept thinking like, what is this? What's the intention behind it? I'm like, Oh, it's television because this is the future of television, right? Like creators are the future. Like we watch creators all the time. Even if we have a show on, you know, a very high premium show on our TV, so then I thought about future, futuristic, and that's how I leaned into this futurism element that you're seeing in the creative, like in the creative direction and content. And so it's like really kind of just like thinking of what is an intention behind something and how can you express that intention? Like what is some, what are cool visual cues that would make people feel excited? So it's kind of like my creative process, but I just had so much fun doing it. Like I would do that. I would be, I would be on a photo shoot for the rest of my life if I could. I mean, but it's like, honestly, you guys look at this stuff. It's like, is this the people that directed Avatar? I mean, it's like wild, the visualizations. I'm saying this first, Ryan Kyler. Okay. So using your middle name here and you can work, you're going to post this. What happens? I'm going to win an Academy Award for directing and writing. And then, and and you're going to say, you saw first, you said that you predicted it first. Oh, I was, I was, I was, I was hoping that you were about to say you were going to thank me during the speech. And I was like, wow, oh, this is amazing oh, 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 oh. for me. You know what? You know this what? Is Kyler, I'm going to say Kyler said it. And yes, everyone's like, yes, exactly. Um, so we've got SFK TV, which you guys need to subscribe to, but then how does that translate to your live shows? Because you've just started doing those over the last year or so. You just sold out two. you're doing this other one. What is your live show all about? How do you translate Serena fucking Kerrigan on stage? Absolutely. So I've done a like a series of different live shows. This one is different than the other ones I've done before. I've actually like already performed 11 in total. I love live touring. I won the one I did before was called do it for the plot. And it was very much about my life and the mistakes I've made and, and building confidence, etc. This one is very peeled back. It's very like to connect with people for people to like connect with one another. I think that like the importance of community is just so important. People want to know how to make friends. They want to feel supported if they're going through a breakup or if they don't know how to quit their job. So SFK kind of gets transformed into this thing where like in past shows, I was the main character. This show, I make the audience the main character. They get on stage, they ask questions, they support one another and tell stories. And I think that that's so special that it's like kind of passing off the baton to them so they can become the queen of confidence. 
What's the experience though, doing this live and then meeting the fans afterwards or the people that follow you? What, I mean, like, is that such a powerful experience for you? Because they get to tell you the stories of how you inspired them. One woman in the first show was like, I don't really have a question, but I just wanted to tell you that, you know, I've been dealing with cancer for the past years and you saved my life. Like you made me feel like I wasn't alone. And it was, I mean, I started tearing up. We hugged. I have her number now. We're texting. Like her name's Allison. She's beautiful and she's healthy. Thank God. But it's more just like, it's incredible how like, it's so easy to compare yourself, right? It's so easy to think about what you don't have. I don't have these followers. I wasn't invited to that trip. I don't yeah, have this yeah. show. You're always looking, if you look around, you're going to lose comparison. You, you're just going to lose that game. And so then it's like being there in that room. It's like, wow, look at what I've accomplished. Like that moment, that person, what I helped her with her life is so much more significant than like a follower count, to be honest. It's about the quality yeah. of who follows you and the impact that you're making, you know, in their life. So it's incredible. No. It's an incredible experience. And we have tickets and it's such a vibe. Chelsea Music Hall, November 15th, 8 p.m. Come. It's affordable. Bring your friends, drinks. Like it's good energy in there. What also, it's an experience that you could go to by yourself and make friends. It's one Absolutely. of those kind of things. No, and literally yeah. when I asked, I was like, who's here alone? So many people literally were screaming, but they already sat next to other people that came alone. So that's the energy I want to put because that's very much the SFK way. She shows up alone, maybe with her card game, maybe not. But she has that <laughs> confidence because when you show up alone, you're like, yeah, like I'm the shit. Like, why not? Why wouldn't anyone want to talk to me? Then suddenly that's the energy you're radiating. And then people are attracted to that vibe right? They want to be around yeah. someone who's having a great time. So that's the energy. Listen, I've only talked to you for 15 minutes and I feel like I've had a cup of coffee. So this is good. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the good running. energy. This... Yeah, good. <laughs> um, uh, what is the uh, most common issue you think women are dealing with these days when you meet them? What's the thing that you're noticing in 2023 that, uh, that women are still kind of really facing on a day-to-day -day basis? It's really interesting because you would think that like, we've made a lot of progress as a society and we absolutely have, but it really struck me how many women felt like de rejected, dejected, really depressed or upset that they didn't have a boyfriend. Like that really, that it took me aback, like that they felt like that their worth was so tied to being in a, in a relationship with a significant other. And I think that that partly has to do with social media and how like you're looking around, you're seeing people get engaged and married and babies or and, and, and you if you don't have that, if you don't have that partnership, it just like, you feel like you're behind. And that, that same thing can apply with so many other things, work included, absolutely. Or even making friends. I think a lot of women talked about like the difficulty of making friends, but it just took me by surprise how many people, like they felt like something was wrong with them because they haven't found their person. And to that, I said like, that is one or that, you know, they just felt like it would never happen for them. And yeah. I said like, that is also just a result of the patriarchy and how like, there's this concept of like scarcity and like, there's not enough good men in New York or in anywhere. And like, we, you know, you have to rush to find them and you're being too picky and you should just settle down. You know, that whole idea is bullshit. And I reject that. And I think like, when you're ready, you will have the opportunity when you are ready for anything in your life. If it's meant for you, it will be there. And there's so many times where like, I thought the guy was the one and he was not. And I look back, I'm like, thank God. Cause that guy was not it. Right. He was not, he wasn't even cute. But like, he, he didn't even treat me well. So it's like, or a job opportunity, like that didn't work out. Well, thank goodness, because then I wouldn't have moved. And if I did move, da, 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 da. so there's always that. And I really like try to say rejection is redirection. You're constantly being redirected in your life and never settle for anything less than a fuck yes.
important. I love all of that. And speaking of dating, I, I watched a video of you uh, meeting on a podcast, your current boyfriend, Felix. And I, I guys, I felt like I was watching. I was like, should I even be here? Because immediately you guys were all like kind of, there was like this subtle flirtation from the jump. But Crazy. you didn't know him before that podcast, right? No. And so basically the clip is me saying on the podcast, we just met that day and I'm on his podcast and I go, yeah, in two years, like I'll have a boyfriend. He was like, yeah, where are you going to meet this guy? And I was like, I don't know, maybe I'll bring him to the podcast. And he was like, you should. And it's like, what? And it's gone super viral because people are like, oh, they definitely knew each other before. Like when I say I had no idea, I didn't even like, I had more makeup on for this podcast than I did for that one. I didn't give a fuck. <laughs> whatever you know what I mean well, wait, Sarita that's why I thought you guys did know each other because from the jump you, you weren't like all like gussied up and you were kind of oh. like it was like a familiarity that I was like oh they must be friends from even before this because you were all like you both no, were like care. super relaxed it was very wild. Well, that's the thing and that's a really good I hope that people take away like when you meet your person you should feel very relaxed safe calm. And it's just so funny looking at that clip because everyone's like, he knew, he knew that you were going to be his girlfriend. I'm like, I had literally no idea, like not even a clue. I was just being cheeky and fun, but also I was not scared to say what I wanted. And I was like, I will be in a relationship. Like, I just like, that is something that I, it's not, I want to be, it's like, I will be. And I think that that is an important thing to take away. What is SFK like in a relationship? What are you learning from this relationship? Because that's kind of the next frontier in uh, queen of confidence in a sense. I know. What are you learning? Well, I was so afraid when I began the relationship with a hard launch on Instagram and everything that I was like, <laughs> what is my identity going to be? Like I was the plot girl that like, you know, did shit for yeah. the plot and they got drunk and like had all these stories. And I think that it's been a very natural progression in the sense of like, I'm older, I'm almost 30. And like, I not almost like, like it's in a while, but still it's, it's, it's gonna <laughs> occur soon. And it's about like the maturity and also realizing that, yes, I, I'm growing so much from the relationship. I mean, when you're in a relationship with someone, they hold up a mirror to who you are. And even though I'm always in front of the mirror and I love looking at myself in the mirror, it's a different kind of mirror. You know what I mean? And so I feel like it's just been incredible to have someone support me. And I think I was always told you're too intimidating and guys can be afraid of bullshit. It's like, you should never have to change yourself, you know, and also you should feel safe being yourself. And that person's going to love you for everything. Even the things that you are embarrassed or ashamed about, like they're going to love it even more, which is crazy, but it's true. <laughs> and so never settle. And if you're feeling anxious and if you're screenshotting a text, not a good sign. It should feel really relaxed and easy from the jump. Well, you guys look very relaxed and easy from the jump in that interview, yeah. but how is that work-life balance? Because you are seen like somebody that's so zeroed in on their goals and their dreams. And also your work is important to a lot of other people. So like you said, like right. you don't want it to affect the plot in a bad way. I mean, how do you balance that? It's interesting. I feel like I actually, and I'm reflecting with you on this podcast because it feels a little <laughs> like a therapy session too. Sorry. The best way. Don't apologize. This is great. <laughs> it's such a good question. I actually think that being in a relationship. Okay. So I always used to say, and I think it was self-defense where I was like, I can't be in a relationship because I'm a career focused person. And like, I can't, I can't possibly. That's bullshit. Because if you look at like every president ever, they've always had a significant other, not to say that that's the bar, but it's like people in like the most <laughs> intense jobs have a partner. Like that's great because they can really guide you and gear you and whatever. And I realized that because I've gotten in this relationship, I actually am more focused on my career, if anything, because I'm not wasting time going out as much. Not that that's bad. I love going out, but I'm not searching for something because a place of my life is like in this stillness, calmness, like I feel secure. 
then I can really put my energy and focus into something else. And that has like been such a blessing. So like, he's just as ambitious as I am. I could never date someone who's not. We're actually building a couple businesses together. That we're really about like some side things. Cause like, why not? Cause we're always ideating, but you know, you need to be like the women that are listening to me that are sexual women. Like you need to be with a man that is like going to just celebrate you and be so proud and like post every fucking product that you have on their story. Cause literally he does it without even me asking, you know, like you want, you, you want someone who wants to win with you period. Yeah. So that's, that's the joy of being great. in a relationship, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, I was thinking about failure last night. I was watching some of your stuff and I was thinking about failure. Um, and I was thinking about like, I was wondering, cause you know, I've noticed, uh, obviously, unfortunately the failures in our life leads us to greater successes in the oh, end. Yeah. And I was thinking when are like, do you have failures in your life? What's a big failure for you that you can even recall that shot you into the next level? Cause I was like, I wonder if she's ever really failed because it seems like you win so much. Oh my God, that's really kind. And it means the branding is really strong. I mean, I actually, <laughs> pre-pandemic, I, right pre-pandemic, I was working in a media company, like Betches, yeah. uh, 20, Refinery29, and I was ready to leave. And I auditioned for a hosting job at E, okay? And I flew out to LA for this audition. And I was told to read a teleprompter. I'd never really done that. I could barely read. Mind you, I was an English major at Duke. So like I can read. <laughs> I could not read that day. And I boofed it. Like I bombed that audition. I remember I have a photo of me sobbing. And I was, I thought that this was my one ticket out of that company that I had been working at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to like that next separate. And I messed up and like career done. Pandemic happens. That show ended up getting canceled. I stayed in New York, built my empire. Everything flourished. And I think it's like, thank goodness I bombed that audition. Because I would have been stuck in LA during the pandemic, not knowing anyone. Well, you know, but like, that's an example of what I saw as failure, but really as like, it wasn't meant to be. Another example that just happened today was that we had a live show a couple of weeks ago and there was footage and the footage got deleted. And this could have been something that, right, like your face, like this could have been something, oh my God, like life. And I go, the world just, I guess, wasn't meant to see that show and, and done. And, and you move on because you can't get upset about what you can't control. Like you can for yeah. like 24 hours, you can spiral a little bit. But like, I have too much to do. So like, if I get stressed about, I'm like, it, it's gone. Like there's nothing, me getting upset more isn't going to change the fact that it's gone. What we can do is like, what's the lesson here? We got to get, grab the footage the second it's, you know, recorded, boom, dump it somewhere, back it up. Great. Like these are the lessons, but like getting, that's just an example of like, you just have to say there's a lesson here. What is it? Cool. Moving on to the next thing. How many times do you get asked to be people's life coach? Cause I'm just like, how much, I mean, like, come on, I need, yeah. we need little Serena Kerrigan's on our shoulder to like, just live with us and walk through life with us. How do we take you with you? How do we take us with you on a daily basis? Okay. So one, this two, the cards, so the card game, one, two SFKTV, because I do a lot of this kind of content and inspirational and we touch on work, personal confidence, dating all on SFKTV.com. And it's $6 and 90 cents a month, 69. Wait, that's really so, reason. <laughs> your, coffee, your coffee at blank street or Starbucks is $7 or more. Like please. It's you more. Yeah. Or 69 a year, which is like totally doable. If you want constant content every single week, we are busting our ass to make really premium level long form. So that's another way you can have me all the time. 
Or you can, I mean, I used to do this and we're going to be offering you this soon at some point, I think, fingers crossed, but I used to confidence coach during the pandemic on Zoom, you know, and I I, I really want to get back into it. I love it. But those are, that that's a perk that will be for us at KTV users only. So you better get on it. Is there a chance, because this is kind of like your own network, that you'll actually have other shows even not involving you on your network eventually yeah. on SFK TV? Are you asking me for a job? I actually am. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah, it's like we're... we would absolutely uh, would love to roll out someday. So that's a yeah. fantastic, one hundred percent. So we'll be in touch. Um, right. I know you just have a couple minutes, but I wanted to uh, ask you visualization, vision boards. What's next? Because in my head, I'm like, where's the fucking book? Where's the fuck? Like, where? Where's the? Where's the album? Like, what is next? Like, what are we dreaming of as the next frontier? Because we are launching all of this. It's starting to go smoothly. It's already building this huge audience. But what is next? Because you seem like you have like probably three steps ahead planned at all times. Oh, absolutely. I had a meeting with my book agent this morning. So beautiful on the right there. Working on the proposal, that's happening 100%. Um, working on the live show that I'm doing next week. But beyond that vision boarding, I do a vision board every Christmas day. That's a tradition I made up because I didn't really like have much to do on Christmas, even though I celebrate. But like after a certain time, you're like, what will you do? Vision board is my Christmas day plan. This year, directing a Super Bowl commercial, happening. Yeah. I mean, I don't know when or how. No, but that's amazing. That's so specific. I love the specificity oh, on that. Dead specific. Met Gala, obviously. Cover of Vogue, duh. But um, what else? Like, I really want to like creative direct for a brand. I really want to direct an ad. I'm obsessed with that. Write, or, write and direct. I'm writing my first feature. I just need to clone myself. If you can help me yeah. clone myself, then we're going to be good. You know what I mean? We're, we're uh, doing SFK TV cloning in 2025. Elon Musk is heading it up. It's going to be wild. So um can't who wait. do you look up to? Who are your who are your heroes that you look up to and look for guidance? My Roman Empire is Taylor Swift and Beyonce. I'd say those two. I just God. like it's all about work ethic. It's all about drilling, grinding, and surrounding and being nice. I think that people really forget like how being nice is free and goes such a long way. Last night I actually met Alexandra Cooper of Call Her Daddy, and I was Call Her Daddy. Yeah, I saw you were at the show. Yeah, I was just like beside myself and I ended up meeting her person. I gave her let's fucking fuck the card game, obviously very on brand for her. And I just, I was taken aback by how personable and wonderful she was. And and I, it's like, duh, but it's all the same time. It's like, we've met obviously between the both of us, a lot of people who aren't nice. And so when someone's so nice and genuine takes the time to meet you, you're kind of like, wow, I see why you're at the position that you're at. Right. Because really like people want to work with nice people. It's like that yeah. fucking simple, you know? And you so, want to leave them with a good experience where they said course. like, that guy, that person helped my day. They didn't hurt my day. Right. And like the, we spend the majority of our lives working. So you might as well do what you love and work with people that make it fun. Got you it. Know? Um, well, Serena fucking Kerrigan, this went way too quick, but I hope this was good enough that you'll come back again because I have a whole list of other questions for you because really I'm so, so blessed that Meditza uh, turned me on to you because I really think this is such a great message and I have primarily a female audience. So you guys, if you don't know her, which you probably already do, get to know her, get this card game. I'm going to put all the information, go see her live shows, SFK TV, $6.99. That is insanely cheap for like weekly content. I'm telling you, I know Patreon. This is way better than that uh but what a joy to talk to you thank you My so heart. much and thank you for the message that you put out there because it really does seem to help a great deal of people absolutely thank you so much for your support and i will be back with my oscar in tow <laughs> wait well, okay perfect yeah uh, can i be in the super bowl commercial too that would be amazing 
Absolutely. Manifest. Put on your vision board, Kyler. <laughs> I'm doing it Christmas Day. Thank you so much, Serena Kerrigan. Thank you, Ryan. Bye. Wasn't she great? Oh my gosh, Serena Kerrigan, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you know, it's always a good guest when I I want to keep talking to that person. You know, like I get really excited. You can tell in my voice. I'm like, oh, what about this? What about this? And I hope I never lose that excitement. It truly is. Um, I, I love feeling excitement. I think you guys probably realize that by now. And sometimes in my natural state, my natural state, if I'm not on a mic, is just to lay uh, horizontal and stare at the ceiling or the television set. And you forget, and I think that's one of the best things about podcasting, is that you forget how amazing, how many ma- amazing people there are out there. You know, we get to see it in these reality shows and documentaries and movies and, you know, all these things that inspire you or excite you or you like to make fun of. But it's different when you get to talk to somebody one on one, even through an online format. It reminds me that I truly do love people. I truly do. I mean, I try to convince myself I don't, but man, I do. Um, Okay, so we're going to do some pop culture stories. I I do want to talk a little personal stuff because I was just thinking it's been a while. And if there are new listeners to the show, um, who, who the hell am I? Who, who the hell is Ryan Bailey? Uh, it's been a second since maybe I've, I've told my origin story, my podcasting superhero origin story. And, uh, I was reading reviews, not my reviews. Uh, gosh, I, I, am not a sadist. Uh, but I was uh, reading reviews on another show and, because uh, I went to leave a positive review and I, I started reading and there were negative reviews about, oh my God, stop with the personal stories. Who cares what's going on in your, your life? It was really negative in that sense. And I thought, wow, I've been doing this now for four years. And I think since day one, this has been such a personal podcast. And you listeners that have been here, I mean, day one or year two or year three, you know that this is a very personal podcast in a lot of ways. Now, there are some things that I keep for myself, but I've always kind of tried to talk about how I grew up, what led me here. And, and I, and I, I mean, maybe that would annoy some people, but I don't know how you would do it otherwise. I mean, we can do the straight interviews and that's great, but I think you always have to know who you're talking to or know who you're rooting for because you are choosing to spend time with me. You are blessing me with your presence, with your two ears, or if you're watching this on YouTube, with your eyes. I don't take that for granted because I see how crowded the field is. I mean, I think every day, uh, you know, 80 new podcasts pop up, a new YouTube series, three new Netflix docu-series, four Bravo reality shows, and a partridge and a pear tree. So I know how crowded this is. So I do not take it lightly that you show up for me day after day, or you show up and you're listening to this six months later. I don't take that lightly, but I wanted to share with you uh, just to kind of how this all started or a little bit about my background. Uh, you guys might already know this, so feel free to uh, to fast forward if you want. What is fast forward considered in podcasting? Just skip ahead? What? I, who cares? That's logistics. I'm not a tech guy. So basically, I've always loved reality shows and pop culture, right? I grew up in Olathe, Kansas, um, and it was my dream. Hollywood was my dream. And it wasn't like a dream in the sense that I wanted to be there. I mean, I did, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a thought of like, you know, when you live, when you grow up in Kansas, Hollywood is so far away. So I would watch Entertainment Tonight or Access Hollywood. And those were like appointment TV shows for me. 
because you got to see the Hollywood sign. You got to see this, this, this land. It was almost mythical. It was almost Lord of the Rings-like. It was a fantasy land that I didn't even think that they would allow somebody like me in. I thought you had to have a license to go to Los Angeles, you know, because it was all the beautiful people. It was all movie stars, TV stars, musicians. And uh, I grew up in Kansas. We lived there until I was around like 13 years old, I believe, 13 years old, and moved to Paradise Valley, Arizona, on the outskirts of Scottsdale, the mean streets of Scottsdale when I was 14. I went to Horizon High School. And right when I was in junior high in Kansas was when I started getting into theater. And it was because of two twins, Josh and Zach Bays. And I thought they were just the funniest, coolest people that I'd ever met. They were a couple years older than me, uh, but they got me into music. They got me into REM, the band REM. They got me into Steve Martin. They introduced Monty Python to me. And they just opened a whole new world. And you remember that when you're a kid and you didn't think, you know, remember when you saw like your first horror film? Or heard a song that spoke to you that your parents didn't listen to. And it was so personal because you didn't know it could be done that way. I remember watching a Steve Martin stand-up special. And I was just like, wait, what? You can do stand-up in this kind of weird, almost alternative way? And I remember that making such a big impact. And also just the sound of laughter and laughing with friends. And sharing ideas. And sharing the shared love of TV and film and music and how powerful that was to me. It made me feel so, uh, it made me feel less alone because I think even to this day, and I think a lot of you guys are like me, uh, there's sometimes an innate loneliness that, uh, that comes with life. No matter who your family is, who your friends are, sometimes at the end of the day, you will still have loneliness. I mean, sometimes I can be in a completely crowded room and still feel lonely. It's a really, uh, it's a really odd feeling and it's troubling. It's, it's sometimes troubling, but those were always the moments that made me feel so less alone. You know, the sound of laughter or the sound of, Oh my God, did you see this? Oh my God, did you hear this song? And, and listening with somebody and being able to hear what they loved about it and then co-opting it and making it a part of your taste. And I don't mean that in a weird, uh, I'm going to steal what you like way, but that's what we should always be doing. We should be sharing our love. We should be sharing, like, did you check out this show? Oh my God, last season of Vanderpump Rules. Oh my God, this season of Potomac. We should be sharing those things. I mean, my gosh, my list is long of things that I need to watch, read, and listen to based on your guys' thoughts and ideas and things that I see online. So uh, my dad moved. Uh, my dad got transferred uh, with his job. And, uh, you know, Kansas was cool because there was a lot of space. There was a lot of room to dream. You, we had this the place called The Trails that was behind Scarborough Elementary School, my elementary school. And you would ride your dirt bikes. And I would dress up like a superhero. I've told, said, I dress, I thought superhero was... <laughs> I told you about my bedwetting last week. Well, this week, I'll tell you how I thought that being a superhero could be an actual profession. I thought, you know, if I played my cards right and I trained correctly, I could be Batman. Now, I really, obviously, now that I'm telling these stories, I realize how slow and dim-witted of a kid I was because I didn't take in a couple things into account is that we were extremely middle class, uh, did not come from a billionaire family at all. My parents were very alive and well, so I couldn't have the Bruce Wayne, his parents died, that would lead him to vengeance. But I still had the passion because I was an avid comic book reader. But I would dress in this gray, um, this gray cape that my mom uh, dressed up as a witch one Halloween. 
And so I found that gray cape. I got a bull whip from Silver Dollar City on a family vacation. I got a bull whip. I mean, it wasn't like a real bull. It was, but it was enough of a bull whip to a kid, to a 12, like 11, 12 year old. I like that I'm trying to make myself younger. I was like, no, I was in my 30s when this. So, anyways, I'd have this bull whip and then I had like a little Lone Ranger mask, like those little plastic masks. And I would put that cape on and I had these spandex shorts, these red and black spandex shorts, and I'd wear a Batman t-shirt and I would go into the trails, the, the, the tra- they would all go to the trails and all these kids would be dirt biking and I would have, it was a gigantic gray cape and I would like hide behind trees and just spy, just spy on people, just thinking, waiting for the moment of crime to happen and nothing, nothing ever happened. And I would mo- most likely usually just get scared or scared. I was going to get caught and run off. But for those magical moments, I really felt myself as a superhero and I would train. We had basements in Kansas because of, you know, possible tornadoes. Um, but I would train like we had this little uh, you would throw a ball at it and it had like a bounce back, you know, and so I would throw balls like a racquetball in the basement and I would check my reflexes and I would catch like three in a row and I always drop the fourth. But it was one of those things like if I can catch 100 in a row, I could be a superhero. I could be it was very like uh, the Goonies. Remember the Goonies, that movie, the great 80s movie. Um, Richard Donner directed Corey Feldman, uh, Sean Astin, a great, great film, but that was it. Like I wanted to be data who invented things. I wanted to be like, uh, I wanted to be a combination of all the Goonie kids, but, uh, I would just sit there in the basement and I would have these big dreams. My dreams were about being like a movie star one day or about being a superhero, any of that stuff. So my dad got transferred. We moved to uh, Arizona and I remember being so depressed because I felt like I was finally getting a group of friends in Kansas and I was 13 years old, moving to a strange town. And uh, I hate to break it to you. When you get to Arizona for the first time, it's all flat. It's uh, it's just the worst heat. The, the heat has never changed. It's just intensified, but it's very depressing. You don't really have the seasons, just hot season in Arizona, but it was just wildly depressing. I remember moving there over summer and I was so mad at my parents. My mom would be like, Oh, he, I was, I was mad at my parents for, uh, you know, it was that teenage like, Oh, how dare you fudge college mom? What are we doing here? But I was so sad to leave all of my friends. And I had a crush on this girl, Rachel Rachel Beaker, who lived on my street in Claiborne. I had a, such a huge crush on her. And uh, I moved there. And then, you know, right before we went on a... It's okay. if you Are you guys doing anything? Is it okay if I just talk? I know this might be too, you know, I'm done with the personal stories. I want to hear pop culture stories, but just let me go. Okay. So a couple weeks... Oh no, it was like a month and a half, month and a half, I think before school started at my new school at Horizon High School, we went to like this family reunion in Glendale, California. So my uncle Dale, rest in peace, uncle Dale, he had this place. He was a lawyer for Forest Lawn, which actually is a huge cemetery um, business in Los Angeles, beautiful cemeteries. Uh, but he was like the head lawyer for them and they had a family reunion and he had a pool and he had a slide. He he had a pool slide, you guys, not a diving board, a slide. And all my cousins and stuff were there and they were all um, jumping off of this slide. They were all jumping off of this slide into the pool. And now, you know me, Mr. Superhero, but I was also a pussy deep down. So I saw this and I was deathly scared to do it, but they were like, come on, Ryan, you can do it. You can do it. And I remember you know, climbing up my, my 13 year old body, climbing up the steps, scared to death to jump off this pool slide into the pool, but everybody else was doing it. And peer pressure is, you know, um, it's very effective 
you know, so I, I was like, okay, let's do it. And this is when they had VHS camcorders, you guys, and they were filming this and I jump off the slide and I make it. And I had never felt that kind of power in my life. My God, it felt good. I did it good. I was getting claps from the family. I could tell my dad was finally proud of me. And uh, I was, you know what? That went so well. Let's let's run it back. Let's do it again. So uh, I go, oh God, I go up the, the, the steps again. And now, now I'm cocky. Now I'm on top of the world. I'm like, nothing can stop me. So I go up to the top of the slide and I'm waving at the camera. I'm hamming it up. I'm really cocky at this point. And there's the lip on the slide. So you have the, the thing that you slide down on your butt, like the flat part. And then it has the lips on either side that hold your body in. Now, my, uh, my left foot is on the lip and I'm standing up. My left foot is on the lip and I, the left, it, it's wet though. And I slip on that. And my body just, uh, my body just falls. My body just falls from the top of the slide and the left side of my body hits the concrete, hits the concrete of the ground. I don't make the pool, but the left side of my body hits the concrete and I fall into the pool. I pass out and I fall into the pool. And next thing I know, I'm being grabbed by my uh, my family, I remember my uncle Howard going like, he's going into shock. He's going into shock. Everybody's freaking out. My mom's freaking out. Uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a hubbub. And all I can think in my head was, wait a sec. We're supposed to go to Disneyland tomorrow. We're going to Disneyland. I've got to go to Disneyland. Because Disneyland, I mean, it's still a huge deal if you're a Disney adult. But as a kid, I mean, that's another, like a Disneyland trip. Are you kidding me? I can't screw up a Disneyland trip. So. I suck it up. I I hear, I'm like, uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. And everybody acts like they're like seeing a dead person talk, you know? And I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm such an idiot. I'm such a klutz. And uh, I'm hurting. I'm hurting bad. But I want to go to Disneyland. And I remember it was like a Sunday afternoon. It was like dusk. Because I remember it was Sunday because 60 Minutes was on the TV inside, which I always know is on Sunday night. And so, you know, I was like, oh, I'm just going to go sit down on the couch. I'm like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And uh, I go to sit down and uh, the pain is becoming worse. It is becoming really bad. Like really, bad. I feel really bad, but I don't want to say anything because I'm like, it'll pass. It'll pass. And uh, I go to the bathroom. Okay. Now this, this trigger warning is a little gross. I go to the bathroom and I was like, I got to pee. I got to pee. I got to, it's painful, but I got to pee. I pee. You guys, I shoot straight blood. Like I shoot straight blood and then I scream. And so my family comes in, I'm peeing. And it's like one of those, remember that water toy and it had kind of like the, uh, the like octopus things. And we just like, that was like my little penis um, uh, my little penis shooting blood, like just screaming, my family's screaming and they're like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. We got to get into the hospital. We don't call an ambulance. They put me in my parents' rental car and we're driving around the streets of Glendale. And, uh, we, we get to this hospital and I just remember that it just, the pain was so bad. The pain was so bad. And my mom, I could tell was so scared, but she was like, she was on, like me on me on like glue. She was like, you know, just, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be, and my dad's freaking out. He's getting like, Oh my God. And I remember they had the Phil Collins song, something in the air tonight. 
I can feel it coming in the air and die. Like, so that, I mean, eerie enough, you hear that Phil Collins song come on. You're like, I'm going to die. Obviously this is it. We get to the hospital and they get me in, they're checking me in the emergency room and I had to stay awake for this. I think it was like an MRI or something. And my mom said, you know, I was like, give me pain medicine, something, something. And, uh, what happened you guys was that I, uh, I bruised my kidney. They, I almost completely annihilated my kidney and I fractured the ribs on the the left side of my body in, in, like it was a mess. So I was in, uh, I was in a hospital in Glendale, Arizona for like a week and a half. And then when I got back to Arizona, my new place I had just moved to, I had to enter ninth grade of high school with a rib brace on. So you're already worried about being the new kid in school, but I was also wearing a rib brace. I couldn't even dress out for gym and I got made fun of so much. And, uh, and one day I found the theater department, the theater department and theater department. What, what they're great for is that they welcome people with open arms. They welcome people with rib braces. They welcome people with different senses of humor that might not fit in, might not play sports, might not do this or that, but they took me in and I found like a great, a great group of friends. And that lasted me through high school. And I, you know, started doing all the plays, all the musicals, all that stuff. It was really, really amazing. Um, anyways, that kind of any, I'm getting too deep in the the woods here, but basically went to Arizona, uh, could have gone to New York for college, but I chose to go to Arizona state university because I was in love. I was in love with somebody that was going to Arizona state university. So I was like, I uh, love is love. I'm staying here. And, uh, anyways, I wind up in LA. I try to be an actor. I mean, I still am an actor. I actually just did an audition on Sunday. Um, but LA is tough. LA is tough all the while though. My love of movies, my love of TV, my love of reading, my love of music, it only intensified, you know, this was before streaming too. So, I mean, I used to be that guy that went to like Saber CD store and would like turn in CDs so I could get new CDs. I would go to the library to listen to music, you know, like cable was a must for me when I got my first place in California because I wanted to watch everything. You know, I wanted to watch everything. I mean, God, I remember the invention of TiVo that changed, that turned my life upside down because I was finally able to not have to do like VHS, like recordings in the middle of the night to set like a VCR and it would always like completely fuck up. But like the DVR, what a huge, I mean, to me, technological, technologically, that was the, the I mean, that was it. You're telling me I can have anything, anytime, any, I could tape anything. I could watch a full season of TV on this DVR. Oh my gosh, you guys. But I loved documentaries and I loved the real world. At that point, the real world had been on. And I remember in high school watching the real world for the first time. And it, it changed my life. I was like, this is amazing. Every week. Oh my God. New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, uh, you know, Hawaii, all those real world seasons. Oh my God. I fell in love with that show. And so that's when, you know, you started to realize reality show, there's something here, right? And then it's the reality shows. It leads you down that kind of primrose path. Survivor brings in competition reality shows into the mix. And then, of course, 17 and a half years ago, you have Real Housewives of Orange County that premieres. And at that point, I, I don't know if I was married, but I was with the girl I was going to marry. And I remember that that was, that was something that I knew I would like. And I did. I loved it. I loved it. 
And reality television became a thing, whether it be Celebrity Fit Club, uh, Intervention, uh, Celebrity Rehab, Rock of Love, Flavor of Love, I Love New York. Um, you know, you had the MTV. I mean, we're talking Cribs. We're talking Pimp My Ride. We're talking Next Bus. You know, we're everything. I consumed it all. I loved it all. Now, loving all of this stuff doesn't mean that you're ever going to talk about this stuff. And I was never like, you know what? I need to get in philosophical discussions about all of these reality television shows. It was just something that I loved. It was just something that I was a fan of. I wasn't looking, I wasn't one of those online forum people. I wasn't looking for groups to talk about this with. It was just something that I loved. And you would occasionally bump into somebody that loved it too, and you'd have a great conversation and it made you feel good, but it didn't really change anything. It was just always the stuff I loved. And then fast forward, and I think towards the tail end of my marriage, like I I watch reality shows nonstop. We watch reality shows. We, I mean, I dived into everything for a period of time. I mean, I was into the Bachelor franchise for a long time. I was into, I mean, just anything I would consume. And I usually found something to love. I mean, there was a huge addiction to the deadliest catch on Discovery Channel for a while. Man, I used to practice throwing out lines, crab pot fishing, because I would love to watch the deadliest catch. Oh my God, did I love that show. And towards the tail end of my marriage, things were getting bad. And uh, I started... uh, I started realizing when I was separated and in, in, in going through the d- divorce proceedings too, was like I was introduced to Facebook uh, online community. I didn't realize that there were whole, at that point, there were whole groups of people talking about these things, talking about Shannon Bedore's marriage, talking about Aviva Drescher throwing her leg, talking about all of this. Stuff. I mean, there was groups of people and I would be at work and I would be going through the worst point of my life, but I would in between whatever I was doing at work, I would be able to hop on and do a smart ass comment or read something or be reminded of uh, some episode or something. And it, it made things so much easier and so much better. And I found a community and then I started getting asked on other people's podcasts. Um, I know Molly McAleer uh, was on hers a bunch and she gave uh, me a shot to do a Kardashian podcast uh, called realizing stuff. And we got to do that for a while. And then that ended Um, and it it was weird because that was coinciding with, uh, you know, I, I, I was at divorced at that, that point. And then also wondering what the hell I'm doing with my life because I worked at an acting studio. I would have a lot of commercial auditions or voiceover auditions and the actual TV or film audition would be few or far between. I mean, it would really hard. And I had like parts on the office, how I met your mother, mother, criminal minds, lifetime movies. So when you say all that right now, you say, oh, that sounds pretty good. But we're talking over a long period of time. It was always such a struggle. I did a a web series called Talking Marriage with Ryan Bailey that uh, we should put back up. We took it down on YouTube, but we should put it Uh, put it back up because it's really interesting. We actually had a lot of great guest actors. We had Jay Ellis from Insecure and Top Gun. We had Davey Havoc, the lead singer of AFI. We had Randall Park, uh, the the actor who's amazing from Fresh Off the Boat and uh, so many other things. But we had a great group of people that worked on that show, that YouTube show. But it was all about creating your own content. Now, still, even at this point, even though I realize all these communities exist, it's never in my my view that I could do this. It's never it's never a never a thing that I think I could do or I could be successful at or anything. Like even when we were doing the Kardashian podcast, it was great because it was just fun 
to laugh with uh, the co-host. And like, I-, I was just getting introduced to the Kardashian show at the time. I'd never, I'd not grown up watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians. So that was fun in its own way. And it was great because you did see like people were listening to it, but it, it was still was like, oh, it's a nice little side hobby. It's a nice little thing while I'm trying to do this other thing. And it kind of kept you from uh, completely getting depressed because your acting career wasn't where you wanted it to be. So then that podcast ended and I remember taking a couple of months off and I thought, wait, could I ever do this myself? Could I ever do this by myself? And I just didn't have the confidence in myself to think that I could talk by myself. And I'm laughing. (laughs) I'm laughing so much because we're 24 minutes into this story and you've got to Imagine that there was a time when I didn't think I could fill up two minutes of space. And I remember it was like Danny Pellegrino, I think Hannah Brown. There, there was a couple people that were like, hey, just put yourself, uh, just talk into your phone, put yourself on tape and, and just try to do it 10 minutes. And I think I did it 15 minutes. And I think I sent it to a couple of them and they were like, yeah, this is pretty good. Yeah, good. And I was like, oh, and that's all I needed. Somebody to say, yeah, it's pretty good. That's all I needed. That's all. And sometimes you guys, that's really all it takes. And just remember that when you go through life and remember that everybody is, is looking for a little piece of approval, a little, a little something. So always don't completely shit on anything, anytime, anywhere, unless it's a reality show actor or show. I mean, because remember people need that and people need to People need to to actually make that leap to try to make something happen. Even if it's not the best in the beginning, they need to have those at-bats. They need to have that practice. And if somebody had told me when I sent that, that to them that, oh my God, this sucks, I, would, I wouldn't have done it. There's no way. I'd been like, it's too, it's too hard. It's too embarrassing. I'm too fragile. But I did it. And I remember the first episode, it was just a solo episode. Second episode, I had Mr. Danny Pellegrino on. That was the first guest. Um, and uh, we took off from there. And that was four years ago. Four years ago. Can you imagine that? And so much has happened in four years. Of course, you know, right when we got started uh, up, I think like four months into it, COVID or the pandemic happened. And uh, man, that was, that changed everything because it changed even how I was working about that time. I was doing like one episode a week, I think. And then I think Kate Casey was the one that was like, oh, you should go to two episodes a week. Um, and, uh, and then the pandemic happened and then I just got insane because I was still having a job that I was trying to do from zoom. We were all trying to figure out ways to work at home, but imagine trying to work with actors and trying to do that all over a zoom technology or finding new technologies to work with actors. And, uh, you know, I lived right off Melrose. I lived across the street from Laura Marie Shainall's at the time from sexy unique podcast, but it was the weirdest time because we all didn't know what the F was going on. We all didn't know if we were going to die tomorrow. Like, I mean, it was like we were fighting for toilet paper. I mean, seriously, we, I mean, we all have uh, Dorit Kemsley Putsta PTSD from the pandemic that I don't think we've even dare. We haven't really uncovered all of the stuff that that's done to us. But I remember going, you know what? What if I did? What if I did it like old time, like drive time radio, like Stern? When I started listening to Stern back in the 90s, uh, it would be like four and a half hours. It would be like four to five hours. And it just seemed like he was just, he was still raring to go even after that. I mean, now we're lucky if we get like three and a half hour episodes out of Stern and that's, you know, he's earned that whatever. But, but I remember just loving it because I could even fall asleep during it, wake up, they're still talking. And there was something, there was something that was like kind of my first parasocial relationship in terms of that. It felt like family, 
you know, Gary and Robin and all the cast of characters that he had on that show. And I, I still always remember that. And that's actually why I really enjoy uh, going on the, the Jeff Lewis live show the last couple of weeks, uh, because it reminds me of Stern in that sense of the, the, the group he's built around there and how all the chumps know all the characters uh, in the show, because I, it really does endear you to those people. Um, so I started doing like six hour episodes. Uh, I, I, you know, I would put like three guests. I would put my parents, I would do some comedy bits. I would do song breakdowns. I would do lyric breakdowns. I mean, I was throwing everything at the wall. I mean, I've not gone back and listened to any of those episodes because I can't even imagine what they sound like now, but I was just doing, I was, I was just so it meant everything to me. And at the same time, it wasn't like I was working towards something because I didn't think anything could still come of this. It was just that I was like so scared about everything that was happening in the world. You know, I was scared about all of that stuff. And I saw how scared other people were. And I remember even back then I would put my actual phone number on the show notes. I would be like, if you're having a bad time, if you're, if you're get if you're in a really bad place, feel free to call or text. Like that's how wild it was. Cause I was like, I, I you know, if I can help, let me know. My parents would come on. They would talk about their experience in the pandemic that week. And it was just wild. And then from there I got, um, it was, it was just kind of weird. Cause it started growing little by little, you know, we would still try to get those like interviews or I remember like Hannah burner came on. That was a big thing. We had, uh, we had Faith Stowers from Vanderpump Rules talking right around the time that Stassi and Dodie got fired from Vanderpump Rules. We had her on. I mean, all of this stuff was happening and it was just uh, so interesting. And I, I treated it like a job, even though at that point, I don't even think the Patreon started up. So I did not make dollar one. I mean, I lost money I mean, because I had to pay for like the district, dist- dist- uh, the district. I still haven't learned to talk the distribution of it. I would still have to pay to like host the podcast, not me host it, but like host it online. Um, it is wild. I'm saying this out loud and I just forget how far we've come. I, I just forget how far we've come. And also the Instagram account was such a great help, but the Instagram account too, was just me being stupid. It was just me being stupid. And, uh, all those little stupid jokes I had told in my head or to my friends, I would just, start making memes of them. You know, it's just really rudimentary, whatever I can do, whatever. And in fact, it's still to that day. If it's like a rudimentary meme or if it's something that I can swap out heads on, I can do. But if it's a really artistic one, that's that's Meditza. You know, Meditza show images, I'll make really fast kind of, I mean, I think they're great, but they're, you know, rudimentary still. Uh, I think sometimes the jokes have gotten a little sharper, but it's basically rudimentary. So I remember then I got uh, I got picked up by Cloud Ten, uh, who had a distribution deal with iHeartRadio, and that was huge because I was like, "What? What? I'm actually potentially going to get paid for this thing?" And it all has gone by so fast, you guys. But I just that's who I am at the at the core, though it still never changed. It's still at the end of the day, it's me and you, alone in whatever room I'm at, because I travel a lot now. I take my computer. I take my microphone. I've gone through many microphones. I've gone through many headphones. I've broken a lot of things. But at the end of the day, at the end of the night, it's me and you. It's this. I talk into a mic at the end of the day. Every day, pretty much. Every day, you guys are the usual, the end of my day. I was just in there watching Below Deck Med tonight and watching uh, the rest of Selling Sunset, the new season. And I was like, ah, gotta... 
And sometimes it's hard. It's like working out. Sometimes you're like, oh, I don't want to get up to the mic. I don't want to do it. I just want to go to bed. I don't want to do that. And it's still four years. It's still the same fight within myself. But I know once I step to the mic and I'm talking to you guys, I like it. I love it. I love it. I wish I could hear you. I wish I could hear it, you, you guys talk back unless it's really rude. And then I, I, I'm glad I don't hear it. But for the most, yeah, I really do. But at the same time, there is this very clear um, thought in my head that I really haven't had with anything else in my life that I think sometimes I do know what you guys are saying, or I do know that you're listening and I do know who I'm talking to. And I've been so lucky now, and especially with BravoCon just being a couple of weeks ago, I, I do get to meet the people that I talk to. I do get to hear. I was talking to my sister tonight, you guys. I was talking to her for an hour. And if you know me and my sister, that's really abnormal. We, we you know, uh, we're a family and we love each other, but we always haven't been the closest, me and my sister. And I think if anything, the one good thing about my mom's death is that we are closer. We are getting closer. And we had this really long conversation tonight. And, uh, and I was telling her about BravoCon because I texted her about it, but I got, you know, I was, you know, it's different texting than actually talking to somebody. And I was saying, you know, Carrie, you don't understand how many people would come up to me and they would just say, your mom, your mom, I miss hearing your mom or your mom. And they would hug me. Like there was a, a mother and a daughter that, that I, that I hugged both of them. And I just, there are these memories that kind of just flash into my head of like, Oh my God, I remember when this person came up to me and brought up my mom. Like I remember on the last night on Sunday night, when I was waiting for Meditza, there was a lady that uh, came up to me to, to get a picture and then started talking about my mom. And I just thought it was so beautiful. And I just thought, damn, I wish she was here to, to, you know, I wish she was here to, to, for me to tell her all those things. Um, but yeah, four years. And I think it's just so funny though. It's, it's always me and you at the end of the day. And I'm also still one of those insane podcasters and Betches offered like Betches offered like, Hey, we can take over the editing. We can, and I'm like, no, I work, I work so like kind of up to the minute because I don't want to miss anything. And my moods change day to day that I never really know what's going to, what's going to pop up or how I'm going to feel. And it's hard to explain to somebody at 11 o'clock at night and they're Eastern Standard Time. So I still, at the end of the day, edit, process, all of that stuff. And I will say most podcasters don't do that at all. Your favorite podcasters usually don't edit their own podcast. They usually aren't like still putting it into the system, loading it, putting it out. But every night, that's it. And there's no bragging in there. There's no humble bragging even there. It's just something that I'm like... This is so personal, you guys. This is this is us. This is this is something. It's one of the only things in my life that I've been completely proud of, even in all the mistakes. And I still make mistakes every damn day. I mean, you hear a lot of them. But anyways, you guys, a lot of you knew that. But if if you didn't, I just wanted to share a little bit about that. A little bit, thirty five minutes of sharing, um, just to let you know who you're talking to. At the end of the day, it's just me and you, and I still love the same, all the same shows. I'm still doing the same thing. I still, like I said, I just watched Below Deck Mad. I finished selling Sunset today. I watched this Twin Flames docu series on Netflix. I mean, you know, I I'm still the same geek. You know, I wish I I I wish parts of me. I wish parts of me had changed completely in these last four years, but a lot of it hasn't. So it's still just me and you, no matter what happens. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to share that with you guys. Uh, I'll put a timestamp. So you, uh, <laughs> you're like, what the hell was that? Um, 
So thank you, as always. Thank you. Okay, let's get into some pop culture stories and we'll call it a day. Um, what happened to love, you guys? Love? Sometimes I don't believe in love anymore, especially when I look at the news and especially when I look at celebrity news because midday today, we got hit with some brutal news, you guys. Now, the Kardashians, uh, if you're not watching on Hulu, I love every episode because it's truly so bizarre. It shows you that billionaires still (laughs) have issues and their issues get weirder and weirder and weirder. Now, last week's The Kardashian episode, Kim Kardashian uh, got her Kim Air private jet her Wonder Woman jet and flew it to Vegas with Lucas Gage and Chris Appleton, who does all of Kim's hair, her hairstylist flew them. And she officiated the wedding of Lucas Gage and Chris Appleton. Now, Lucas Gage, of course, the actor from White Lotus, Euphoria, Loves Bravo. uh, But they uh, they got married on this episode of the Kardashians and Kim surprised them and had a little little mini concert with Miss Shania Twain. And so all of a sudden she takes him to this venue. They're like, close your eyes, close your eyes. And they open them. And it's like Shania Twain's like, looks like we made it. Come on, we come. And they're crying. They're like, this is our song. This is our song. And, and Kim officiates their wedding. And now we get hit with the news. Chris Appleton files to divorce Lucas Gage after six months of marriage. They still did beat Kim with that one wedding, the Kim wedding with the tall Frankenstein looking dude. They still beat her, uh, you know, what was that, like 39 days or something, you know. But anyway, six months of marriage. And we just had that episode last week. So, I mean, and I thought it was kind of a beautiful thing. Like, I really, I didn't agree with what they were wearing uh, to their wedding. There was, seemed like a lot of fur and leather and I just wouldn't look good in any of that stuff. Old Navy doesn't carry that yet. But, uh, you know, it was like, hey, two dudes in love. I love it. Like, I love love. Uh, Kim officiated. And you know this has got to piss off Kim because Kim likes to be the best at everything. And now this, I feel like, has taken her stock down in the world of officiating. I do want to remind you once again, I've officiated two weddings. And guess what? They're both still together. So right now, I am kicking ass over Kim Kardashian in terms of officiating. Take that, Kim. Where's my private jet? So, It says Appleton beelined it to court Monday morning. This is from TMZ and lists the couple's date of separation as Friday. So they separated on Friday on the divorce docs obtained by TMZ. Chris lists irreconcilable. I don't know what is going on with my pronunciation today. Irreconcilable differences as the reason for the split and reveals the couple has a prenup in place. We want prenup. Yeah. As Kim joked about in last week's episode of the Kardashians. Um, So then though, There was, uh, I think Demois, this was on Demois' blinds, was that saying that actually Lucas Gage was the one that actually broke up, but but Chris Appleton actually broke the news to TMZ first. And remember, the Kardashians have a very special relationship with TMZ, so there is a real like handshake deal between the Kardashians and TMZ, and there has been for a very long time. So I think the theory here is probably a couple calls were made. So Chris Appleton could be the one to announce it when in fact it was Lucas Gage that actually did the, uh, the, uh, the initial breakup. So who knows, maybe we'll find out more. Maybe we won't, but also there was another blind saying that, uh, that Chris Appleton is very controlling in his relationships. And we don't like that. So who knows though, but I wanted these crazy kids to make it work and they just didn't. And I just, It blows me away. I mean, Shania Twain, I mean, how do you think she feels now? She's like, I took the time out of my day 
to come sing this song that I've sang, sang a billion times to these dudes. And now six months later, I, I mean, she was like, it was probably a Saturday for her. She could have been chilling, watching like fucking like cable, watching like, like the Chrisleys or something. I would be pissed if I was Shania Twain. So love is dead. Love is dead. Also, I wanted to talk about Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I was sent this Reddit thread tonight uh, by a couple different people. And I, I was like, oh, wait, I actually have information on this. Uh, so, you know, Lisa and John Barlow's son, Jack, uh, was sent on his mission and he was uh, stationed. I don't know if that's what the term is stationed on his two year mission um, in Colombia, Colombia. And Lisa Barlow was like, oh, my God, they totally mug you in Colombia. Really wild scene a couple weeks ago. So in this Reddit said, it said somebody bumped into him in like Tustin, California or something, at, at, but he was wearing like the Mormon badge, but I guess he didn't make it over there after all. And that they were like assuming he got transferred to this very safe neighborhood in California. And they were kind of laughing about this, but I actually had information about this. And I think if I'm not mistaken, I just talked about it in this weekend's Patreon episode, which I just talked about because I told you guys how I met John Barlow, Lisa Barlow's husband at BravoCon, and we actually got into a conversation about Jack. He was super nice, but I just said, oh my God, how's he doing? Is he over there already? And and it wasn't like, I mean, John Barlow just seems like such a mellow dude. He's like, oh, you know, no, he's loving it. You know, uh, I love, I'm loving that he's doing it, but he actually had visa issues. And so you usually have a training partner during your, you know, your mission training, you're assigned a temple partner. And his temple partner had to go ahead to Columbia without him because he had visa issues. They're clearing up the visa issues and then he's off to Columbia. But it said he was really bummed out. He was keeping his spirits up, but he was bummed out. He was still here. He's learning the language. But he offered up all this information. We were just casually, you know, having a conversation. It wasn't like, I've got to tell you this and you've got to spread it to the world. And I didn't even really think anything of it because I was like, oh, that sucks. But like, he, you know, he'll get there. And then, of course, I see, see this Reddit thread being sent to me. And it's like, oh, my God, we make a meal out of everything. Everything's like, oh, ha, ha, Lisa got him transferred to a safer area. And it's like, no, he actually had visa issues. Not everything is a huge conspiracy theory. I know we want it to be. I know it helps us in our everyday lives to believe the worst with everything, but this is pretty cut and dry. I, you know, like I said, I, I weirdly found out about this just randomly a couple weeks ago and I didn't even think anything of it. Um, I mentioned it on the Patreon, but I wasn't like, Oh my God, get this because it just seemed like a non-issue. And I, I, I still can't believe, I mean, just imagine how scary that is going on a two year mission where you do have to disconnect, except they get one phone call a week. I think on Mondays, I think that's what he said. Um, but that's just so scary. I mean, think about that. Think about the house. I mean, I couldn't do it. And I think he was mentioning that even a lot of his friends, uh, Jack's friends weren't even going on their mission. So he was even more of a surprise because it wasn't like everybody was doing this thing. So I thought that was really, really interesting. So I wanted to mention that also, I wanted to mention, we didn't get to bring up at all that last week, people magazine named their sexiest man alive for 2023. And finally, Mr. Patrick Gray's Anatomy Dempsey has finally won. Uh, People Magazine uh, thinks that he is aging like fine wine and he is a good looking man. But I really thought this is Pedro Pascal's year. In fact, I didn't really even think about it. I just I just kind of was shocked that it was Patrick Dempsey. You got to remember, though, with those things, there is so much inner workings behind the scenes. Also, Patrick Dempsey has a new movie coming out next week called Thanksgiving by Eli Roth. 
Um, so you always got to remember like the timing of these things. There's a lot of PR stuff that happens behind the scenes that uh, the more I get into this kind of business, the more I like realize how things work. And remember, you know, Patrick Dempsey, obviously a very, very attractive man, but these they're like little campaigns. PR teams do campaigns of like, oh my God, it would be amazing to get him on the cover. But I do think it is funny in the year of 2023. I mean, when are men going to stop being sexualized? I'm just over it already. What is going on? We are not just pieces of meat. Stop looking at our junk and our packages. Would you like it, ladies? And we just stared at your boobs and your butts all day. We are more than just our packages and our junk and balls. Please, please, ladies, for the love of God. Oh my goodness, you guys. Okay, let's just call it a day. I could do another hour easily, but I just realized I'm going to talk to you again on Wednesday and we'll do it then. We got a great show on Wednesday. I got to talk to uh, a really amazing person that I was just blown away to be able to have the opportunity to speak to. In fact, this person has won an Academy Award. Can you, I, I'm so bad it's good. Got to speak to an Academy Award winner, and they will be on the podcast on Wednesday. But remember, tell your friends, get groups of people, listen together, listen around a fire with a family. Thanksgiving's coming up. Talk about me at the dinner table. Let's keep this going. Let's get it going. If you've got ideas for the show, we want them. Email so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey at gmail.com. Any ideas, anybody you want me to talk to, um, let's get this going. Um, it is interesting. I'm really, so I was talking to my sister for like an hour and we were talking about Thanksgiving and I was going to go down to Arizona this week, but my dad, uh, I think needs a little, uh, well, I talked a little bit about it on Monday, but I'm going to go down next week now. And, uh, he's doing this. I know I overshare with you guys about this shit. I'm so sorry, but maybe you guys have gone through this as well. I told you on Monday how my mom's nameplate for her, the slip that they put her ashes in finally finally got done. And I know it really kind of shook my dad up a little bit, even more. He was already shaken up, but he was shook up. And then he decided today that he was going to go through mom's closet and start getting, getting rid of everything. And I was like, dad, no, 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 like, no, no, no. Let me, let me do that. Let me do that with you. Let me do that with you. And then finally tonight I got him to be like, okay, when I come next week for Thanksgiving, we're going to go through her closet together. So if anybody wants a bunch of clothes from TJ Maxx and Ross dress for less, please let me know. No, we actually, uh, we're going to donate pretty much everything. And especially she had a lot of wigs towards the end of her life. And if you guys know any place in Arizona that is looking for wigs, some of them I think are higher quality, uh, not Kim Zolciak Beerman quality, but, but decent quality, please let me know because I want those especially to go to a good home. Um, but like I said, if anybody wants a lot of TJ Maxx, <laughs> TJ Maxx lady clothes, uh, you're about to be, you're about to hit a gold mine because Becky Bailey, I was talking to my, we were laughing. I was laughing with my sister tonight. I was, uh, we were joking about the clothes and I said, you know, is there a chance? Like, should I be putting this shit on eBay? Can we like make some money for dad this way? And she reminded, she was like, um, yeah, mom made mainly shopped at TJ Maxx. And in fact, you guys Christmas coming up, that was the great thing. Even like I told her like in the last, like five years. I was like, mom, stop buying me gifts. But you know, she would still, no, no, I'm buying you gifts. I am buying you gifts. And it would always, <laughs> without fail, you would always be scratching off some like Ross dress for less receipts, you know, when you got it, it would always be like those mini bottles of cologne 
or like some like ill-fitting Calvin Klein shirt from TJ Maxx that kind of fit. Um, and I just, I'm going to miss that so much. And she would also do this other great thing. You guys, my sister said this, my sister actually started crying when she said this on the phone tonight. Cause she said, yeah, Thanksgiving's next week, but I wouldn't even, I kind of don't know because I don't have mom texting me every fucking day going, what are you making? What time are we going to be there? What do you, what is this? What, what are you doing for apps? What are you doing for this? What do I need to bring? What I, Cause my mom was the one that was always on the ball. My mom was bam, 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 bam everything, everything was planned out. And if we were going to my sister's, that had to all be planned out. She was so good. You guys like Britney Spears says she wasn't good. She was great. She was great. And I thought that was such an interesting perspective to hear from my sister, what she's going through of, you know, she knew mom in a different way because she, my sister has her own family and her own family traditions and seeing how mom would, you know, or she'd always do this thing. I hope you guys don't mind me talking about this. She'd always do this thing. And it would be right after Thanksgiving, we would get this email. It would be me, my dad, Chris, my brother-in-law, the kids, Connor and Addison, and my sister. And it would be like, you guys know the drill. It's time. I'm spending $150 on each of you. I need a detailed list now. Ryan, don't waste till the last minute. I know you always wait to the last minute. And I always waited for the last minute, you guys. I always. And I would end up opening my Amazon wish list at the very last possible moment after many text reminders from my mom. And uh, and I would just throw whatever. It, you know, as you get older, too, it just feels more and more ridiculous because you're like, do I need action figures? How many Batman action figures can a man really have? And it's sad because they're all in storage now still, too. That's the other thing about moving around a lot. And uh, you just realize and death and all that. So you realize how much possessions don't matter. Like, I just need my computer and my phone and my TV and my my Corolla and all my old Navy clothes. No, no, you know, you just need a few things. But there was always something. There was always great pleasure. And I still get a kick out of when a listener like, you know, uh, Christina Byanton, I even she'll always send me these T-shirts. And I just love it so much. I, I'm one of those people. Like I do, I love gifts, uh, even though I don't need them. Like I'm, I, but it it's one of those things that I know I'm not the front. Like it just feels good. It feels good to get something. It feels good. I know that's bad. I know that's bad, but it feels good. There's always something really amazing about holding a book in your hand, like a tactile book. Oh, I miss CDs sometimes. But anyways, I, we would always get those. Listen, me and my sister were talking about that tonight, and I was part of me was thinking. Should I do that? Should I freak my family out? Not like actually, not email from my mom's email account, but should I be the one that takes over and go, okay, listen, folks, we got a new sheriff in town. I need a list and I need a list now. Chris, you want some tools from Home Depot? I need to know what tools. We're doing it within this budget, but you better give it to me by this date. And I was thinking, should I do that this year? Should I take over my mom's legacy? Should I be the taskmaster at Christmas? Like, I was just wondering where I fit in. And I, I keep thinking about those things of like, uh, I think I've mentioned this before of like, oh my God, why didn't I pay attention to my mom's Christmas cookie recipe? Why didn't I pay attention to this? Or why didn't I pay attention to that? And I, I it's always echoed with me since she's passed. Uh, all those times she said, I'm going to be gone and you're going to want to know this. You're, you're going to want to know this. And I'd be like, ah, stop it. I gotta, I gotta watch an episode of Vanderpump rules. Um, yeah, I remember towards man, it was like about a month and a half before she passed. I was in Arizona for a while. And, uh, one Sunday I woke up early to make fig jam with her and 
it was uh, begrudgingly, by the way. I'm, I'm not like, yeah, let's make some fig jam. I'm a man, you guys. Come on. <laughs> but my mom, you know, she was in a great deal of pain. Uh, and, and that was, she wouldn't even let us know. But she was had to have been in a great deal of pain. And you could tell, you know, she was moving slow. But she walked me through how to make this fig jam. And it was actually really fucking cool. You know, mixing it and, and it tasted delicious, you guys. It was the best. And I remember it really, uh, uh, you know, it meant, <clears throat> I could tell it meant something to her. And, uh, you know, my mom and I obviously were really close, but it, it wasn't, you know, it was the kind of close where we would bump into each other in the kitchen, you know, like, you know, a small space, your hips would bump. And you wouldn't really even apologize because you're just comfortable with that person. And uh, I was thinking about that too recently. You know, as I said, even at her funeral when I spoke, I said, you know, there was a lot of, there wasn't a lot of things left unsaid with me and my mom, but it wasn't like in the final days, she was like, go off and do that. I mean, it was very like one word, two word, three word kind of things. I remember her wanting me to get on an airplane to go start with Betches before she passed and that didn't happen. But it wasn't like, this is what I've learned from life, Ryan. This is what I, I mean, because she had said those things throughout her entire life. She would always kind of point out these little examples or I would put her on the podcast, you guys. And I still haven't been able to bring myself to go back and listen to those. Sandra made a list of all the episodes she had been on and she'd been on like 60 episodes or something crazy. I still haven't brought myself to be able to do that because I was thinking, oh, what, what if I make a whole episode of just Becky Bailey talking? But I would remember when she would be on, she would give these, she would give these little pieces of wisdom that I was always blown away. You know, what was the thing she always said, you guys? She always said, kids survive despite us, despite us, not because of us in terms of talking about her being a parent, like kids survive in spite of us, not because of us. And I always thought that was really witty and funny. Um, but I'm really nervous for the holidays. I'm nervous. And it's one of those things to, cause I was talking, uh, when I was talking to Kara tonight, she was just like, you know, I even sat my family down this week and said, guys, it's going to be a lot different. This all these two holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Cause we were even thinking, okay, how do we make it different? What if we eat outside for Thanksgiving instead of inside where we would always eat with mom? What if we shook it up and did this? What if we did this? And in a lot of ways it is, it's like what I told you earlier about moving from Kansas to Arizona. There's an element of being a new kid in town. And sometimes you cling to the things that, that, that you do know, like reality shows or music or TV or movies or the family that I have remaining. And that's what I'm going to do is cling to them next week and say, we're all going to get this. We're all going to get through this together and it's going to be messy and it's going to be uncomfortable. And we're all going to cry probably multiple times, but we're going to get through it together. It's going to be weird. It's going to be different, but we're going to do it. And we have each other. We're bonded in this. We're bonded as family. We're bonded in trauma and we're going to get through this. Well, thank you for letting me share with you guys that really not any of that was planned. So thank you. And uh, please don't leave, leave me a nasty review of stop talking about personal stuff. Hey, oh, happy Tuesday. I'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Love you. Bye. So bad. It's good is a Betches media production. 
The show is hosted and produced by me, Ryan Bailey, with Meditza Lopez and Sandra Fryer. Additional support provided by Sean Kilby, Jorge morales Pico, and Rebecca Steinberg. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Video promotion by Laura Valencia. Be sure to send us your emails at SoBadIt'sGoodWithRyanBailey at gmail.com and follow the show at SoBadIt'sGoodWithRyanBailey on Instagram. And for additional craziness, go to Patreon.com forward slash SoBadIt'sGood. Stay bad, baddies. Betches.